Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Question Everything listeners. This podcast is recorded during the coronavirus lockdown. So it's recorded remotely. Hope you still enjoy it. Keep listening. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. Pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from OnlyFans. Is Is it only for fans? Hmm. Are you are you keeping your fans involved or are you getting new fans? Is this the uh, one of the, the businesses that will be in the future or as the lockdown continues? I'm not sure everyone knows what it is, Day. You might have to explain it to people. Yeah, Day. Why don't you explain to everyone what it is? I've never heard of OnlyFans in my life. <laughs> okay. For those of you who've never heard of OnlyFans in your life, um, OnlyFans, I believe, is an application which allows for uh, out at film stars, maybe glamour models, models and creatives of all types, I assume, to uh, have a uh, private portal for their fans where they're able to uh, present them with material which would not necessarily make the uh, guidelines for social media. Wow. Yeah. It's Bro, you, you, you just used a term, yeah? What was the term? Portal? A, por- a private portal um, for VIPs. The P is not for people on OnlyFans. Now you, you get me, you get me like and private the, portals. And the V is not for Barry. about private portals, yeah? The V is not for Barry and the P is not for people. But that's all we know about OnlyFans so far. But we ask all the questions, right, Dane? We ask all, all the, the questions. All the questions that need to be asked and all the questions that the fans want us to answer. Um, so that being said, if you do enjoy the podcast, you enjoy what you're hearing and you have questions for myself and Howard, then please do uh, subscribe and uh, add us both on iTunes as well as Acast, the world's largest podcast network, uh, to get all of the episodes with Dane Baptiste questions, everything. And on today's show, our guest is a British comedian, actor and writer of Pakistani descent, originally from Coventry. He first gained notoriety for his online videos, which were performed in the guise of Guzzy Bear and include a variety of characters, including Mobeen. He then went on to write and star in his own BBC series, Man Like Mobeen, which is on its release, featured in iPlayer's top 10 most watched shows and has since gone on to win multiple awards and be recommissioned for a third series. And it's also available on Netflix. He's also gone on to star in Curfew for Sky One, Turn Up Charlie for Netflix and Four Weddings in a Few funeral for hulu he is everywhere but he's here with us right now and it's an absolute pleasure it is the one of a kind minimum men like guzzy bear aka guz khan what's up what's up what's up what's up what's good dane baptiste mr howard cohen my brothers i've been awol during this pandemic really Mm -hmm. nowhere to be seen so you said i'm everywhere bro but i've been in the yard fucking around but it's my pleasure to be here with you because you know how i feel about you dane I know, bro. I know, bro. And the feeling is absolutely mutual and also very loud for those who may suspect otherwise. It's yes, a strong bro, I want to, Dan, I want to say at this point, if the man damn were allowed to have a sex time, I would do a sex time with you. 
Right. <laughs> that means so much. Thank you. Well, that's a that's like a headline. That's like a headline. I'd like to be your your man crush. That means a lot. And you were up there as well. This new distinguished rugged rugged look you're going with, with the slick down hair. I, I I fuck with it all day, Guzzy. Looking good. Looking good. <laughs> Your wife is very lucky on lockdown right now, brother. Should I very go? Lucky. Should I go and leave you guys? To, I don't know. No, you should watch. You can see, <laughs> see, learn, learn. You should learn how to spit game. You don't see Guz over here charming me. That's how it's done, Howard. Yeah. Good. Yeah, Howard. Maybe you can monetize it. Put all this shit on OnlyFans. How about that, Howard? I'm yeah, happy Howard. to make money from this. Very happy. Well, my tears are too small for OnlyFans, Howard. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> This is all news to me. I'm just sitting here, you know, with a cat and a wife. You know, I've, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm not looking at any of these you know, websites. It's not news. You know, I'm a double A cut. I'm proud of it. If I'm the president of the ABT committee, I wear that. I wear that with pride. Good. Good. With pride. We've got um, somewhere. We've got somewhere. So, guys, um, I, can't, I don't even know what week of lockdown we're in now. You know, bro. Um, how how's it been? When did you, do you remember when you locked down? Uh, so I flew back from LA maybe five and a bit, maybe six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was on a blower like to everyone at yard when I was in America like blood this thing's going off man I'm moving mad they're coughing in the streets people are getting sick can you lock, like do a little stop out we need to stop out go down mm-hmm. to pack supermarket get the spices get the rotion get the naan and they were like uh, dickhead why don't you stop giving us barking your orders all the way from across the pond yeah and let us do what we got to do turns out we're now full scale pandemic and let me tell you this D I'm enjoying it blood yeah what are you enjoying about it, guys? Bruv, the detachment from all this, like, oh, have you written new jokes? Have you got a treatment available? <laughs> no, you're only, you only get one chance to do this, Gus. It's not my personality to really take these kind of things seriously. Uh, so I feel amazing that I'm at Yard. Been enjoying time with the family. Mm. And I think it's great, great to have a, a detox and a detach, bro. No lie. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good, man. I think it's a good point, man. I've been taking more walks, having more conversations with friends, checking in with people, and uh, people are real appreciative. It's my dad's birthday today as well, so oh. it's a big up, big up man like John. Mm. And uh, yeah, um, big up uncle, big up uncle. He's holding it down still, and uh, yeah, man. There are there are a lot of good aspects to it. I guess the hardest part being not being able to perform live and stuff. But I feel like yeah. Mm. Getting comfortable, spending time with yourself, doing different things, well, trying to take care of myself that I would, how I would normally wouldn't do so well if I was touring. So, I think the real takeaway thing is a big thing for me: better diet, more water. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, you also you have less stuff coming into your mind from the outside world. You can control, obviously, in your house, <laughs> a lot of what actually you see on your television or you know anywhere. Whereas when you're wandering down the streets, I mean you. You're subjected to endless shit, right? Yeah, yeah, paying much more attention to what I consume. Um, although I won't lie, there's been a real big gloat in every Thursday when people are like, "Yay, the NHS!" And I'm like, "Oh, is it now? Yeah, is it? Okay." <laughs> you know what, bro? This is this is something really important, bro. We're on here. We're in it now. Yeah, that people are coming out. People are coming out, and they're. They're, they're doing this on a Thursday and everyone on my street's doing it and it's uh, it's uh, from one perspective a lovely show of solidarity yeah but all I want to say to Elaine and Philip and all them man is yeah blood remember who you're clapping for you get me yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. remember who you're clapping for remember, oh, no, everyone's out let's have a clap bro 
Filipino nurses on the front line. You've got North African doctors and consultants. You've got Nigerians dying on the front line. Just remember yeah. who that is. People get well, when, when, the reason why the Windrush came was to staff the NHS in the first place. Large, yeah. large part of coming in the first place. So in terms of like, you know, you can't really even talk about key workers without considering that Windrush generation. So... Yeah, it's real interesting to see how they flex. It's like, we knew, we need you. We've always needed you. We weren't saying that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're not smart, enough, smart enough to put the, the dots together there, boys. Like I'd say, you know, they, you know most people are clapping because they're like, oh, yeah. they don't think through, they don't connect those dots. I know it's not a, it's a problem that they don't connect those dots, but they just, people aren't, they're well, cheap, people right? by, they follow by, yeah, they follow by example. So if they say, stay away, and your prime manager goes, I'm going to still shake some hands. And then mm. he's like, why am I sick? Then, uh, yeah, it's really hard if you know your leaders aren't really setting the best example. Yeah. yeah. As, as political as we're going to get today, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Do you reckon it's time for a question then, Dane? It is indeed time for a question. So again, uh, Guzzy Bear, uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Hold My pleasure. Um, so the way the podcast works as usual, as our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask a question, any question, whatever question you like, which we will all discuss for 15 minutes. Then Howard himself will ask a question, which we'll discuss in a finalmente. I will ask you a question and, um, yeah, we discuss and then everybody go home, have a nice time, and we all wash our hands and bum like good boys. <laughs> yes! Sounds like a party to me. Okay, so I was trying to think outside the box. I was just mm-hmm. trying to think of a question that... Um, I would be having with the mandem. These are the mm. kind of questions me and the mandem and the conversation goes on for a while. And the question is, you can pick any era, but which gangster rappers, either current or throughout history, would make the best world leaders and why? And, and, and when you say ra- gangster rappers, how broad are we going? Like, you know... It's... Okay, you know, what, you know what I thought was a bit unfair? Because I was, I, was, I was already changing the frame of reference myself. Any MC doesn't have to just be gangster. Okay. Okay. Any MC that's better. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Because it it gets defined as gangster. Because some people you think they were gangsters and they're really not gangsters. Mm. So I'm sure you know very well. I'd say my first choice, uh, top of my head straight away, would be Chuck D. Mm. Chuck D is a you know a. I feel like Public Enemy is a great uh, campaign. You know, so far as like, you know, that's very anti-establishment, very rebellious. Yeah. If he was like, I'm public enemy number one, I think people go for that. I feel like he's uh, very progressive in his, uh, both his his narrative as well as his uh, music. Um, you know, don't believe the hype and fight the power. I feel like our maxims and their very political slogans that are still relevant today. Um, I think, you know, he's always been a great orator as well as an educator. Like Chuck D kind of sounds like he's doing commentary for, for basketball. He's <laughs> always like, and I, I, yeah, I love it. Um, so I think that's another reason he'd be good. And I just think he's got a very good common touch. Like this is a guy who's worked with Professor Griff, who's a very hard line, mm. like, like progressive and for self-determination. But he's also worked with Flavor Flav, who enjoys blonde women and crack. Mm. So... I think being able to have that personal touch and identify with, you know, people on both ends of the spectrum, the political spectrum, uh, would make him a very good leader. But the, so the he, thing I've got to ask, and this is part of the, the fantasy you're creating here, guys, is 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 is, is does is, does he have to get elected? Because then you're talking about who'd be good in an election campaign, right? Howard, listen, you just opened it up, my friend. Thank you. I'm going to take the plaudits and say, yeah, I was thinking about that shit. But that's a very good point, Dave. Back to you, my darling. Political, How do you yeah. think? How electable do you think your man is? 
I think Chuck D might be quite electable, man. I think he could get some endorsements from the good people. I feel like, you know, maybe someone like Bernie Sanders would share the same kind of political outlook as a Chuck D, as with a Jeremy Corbyn. It's very quasi-socialist, very egalitarian, um, you know, all about helping out the common man. Hmm. So I feel like he'd get a lot of support, maybe from, you know, centre-left. Centre um, how all that would do in our current political climate, I don't know. Mm. But I think people that would still be nostalgic for the change that Obama brought would be definitely involved uh, for Chuck D. Because I feel like if if Obama is like, I suppose, if he is Coca-Cola, then I guess Chuck D is almost like Red Bull. It's not <laughs> fully crazy, but it's like still, it's energy, it's energy, it's energy. Yeah, bro, this is very pragmatic, well explained. And I think... I get, I'd put my electable stamp of approval on that ping. Nice, nice. Where, where did where does he stand on the um on on uh, in in this political spectrum though, Dane? Do you think he's on the left? I think Chuck D's yeah, very much on the left. I don't mm. I don't think he's ever appeared to be particularly uh, right wing. I don't think he's necessarily opposed to a free economy mm. and, to, and, and to commerce. But I feel like he he uh, is someone that's very outspoken about the fact that. Uh, it only empowers some and he's not really for the trickle-down effect. I think he'd reference the fact that, you know, it's hip-hop that has popularised, like, you know, trainers and he thinks maybe some of their manufacturing should be based in the same areas that give it all of this credibility. So, yeah. yeah, I like hearing stuff like that, man. I suppose the, the problem is potentially that the, because politics is so fucked up at the moment in terms of who does what and where, you know, it's all kind of seeping over each other. Uh, yeah, there's also populism as well. Like, you know, yeah. these days, you don't even have to have a manifesto. You can just be like, I'm going to build a wall. And people go, build that wall. So, <laughs> you can, whatever. It could be like, there's going to be a hip hop jam in the parks every Friday. Friday! Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, bro? It's, it's a really deeply wild thought out option um, that in this parallel universe might completely work. The angle I was thinking about it was like, I became completely like disillusioned with politics and the political system mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around like three, maybe three years ago, right? It was, it was just a snapping point in my head. I was like, fuck it. You're all a bunch of pum-pums. I ain't got time for any of you, man, yeah? Um, and I was reading a book about character politics and how immature individuals can be mm-hmm. when you get them in large groups, right? So all of their nuances and subtle thoughts about the way life should be go out the window when they're surrounded by enough people. And so we take someone like Trump, uh, he is like a battle rapper who has sniffed a bag of coke. This motherfucker is, he's whatever, he's wild, bro. He just shoots off at the mouth and sends shots to anyone. So my thinking was a genuinely electable president, and it would be a disaster, but it would be a lot of fun whilst we were on a journey with him, uh, it would be fifth. AKA 50 Cent. Bro, I think they would be exciting times. And I think, based on the way humanity is right now, totally electable. Mm. Oh, he's, oh the qu- nowadays, like I said, with the rise of populism, there is no reason why he's not electable. Like the Ukraine's president is a former comedian. So, hashtag goals. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, it can be done. But I feel like, yeah, 50 Cent is definitely electable. Number one, he's actually a successful entrepreneur, unlike yeah. the current president. So, you know. <laughs> Fiscally, he'd be good. But yeah, like you said, I don't think, you know, 50 doesn't, you know, he doesn't pull punches when it comes to beefing with people. He's very good at online campaigns and stuff. That's I, a I can see it. I can see it happening. He, he he cleans up really well. When you see him in, um, in power at times, that TV show, he's like, he looks pretty slick, you know? And that's the name of a leader. If you want a leader and they're like, 
how much of a leader am I? What was the name of my first show? Power. So <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I think and also 50 Cent is, you know, people be like, I'm going to take that 50 Cent and make it high minimum wage. Don't call me 50 Cent anymore. Now my name is $17 an hour. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's how you market it. That's how you market it. I think he would be, manip- he, he'd be up for like, you know, playing the game as well, wouldn't he? That's one of the things, character-wise, rappers, I don't know if they always want to, you know, be manipulated, but in, if he was a Democrat, he'd, he'd happily play the game, I reckon. I think he's great at playing the game. He's very good. You know, I think 50 Cent has made good moves, you know. He um, sold vitamin water to Coca-Cola mm. for millions. You know, so I think his campaign could be have a baby by me, baby, be a millionaire. Sign check before the baby comes. Who the fuck cares? Who the now fuck got, cares? Who the fuck cares? Now you got the women on the side. Now you're in. Now you're in. You're protecting <laughs> the interests of single mothers. Now you're in. You're also selling vitamin water to health. Now you're in. And, you know, I think that everybody could benefit from 50 Cent being the president. Maybe the only of being a world leader. Because I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Guz. I don't care. If I saw a president get off Air Force One surrounded by his security detail, which I call G Unit, I'm like, yeah, two terms. Two terms. <laughs> two terms. That's it, guaranteed, bro. Could you imagine G Unit blasted across Air Force One as like a subcategory? I'm, That's a I'm here for it. I'm here for it. G Unit, the G, the G14 is just like a meeting with members of G Unit, just arguing. <laughs> like the game's over there, Crooked Eyes over there, Spider Loke is over there, Obi oh, Trice is wow. like, on the outside, all the all the members together, bro. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking slightly wider than that. Yeah, like involving the G unit. Can you imagine if in this pandemic season, Fifth was president and he had to hand off all communication to Lloyd Banks, possibly the smoothest motherfucker of all time? There would be no panic in the streets if Lloyd Banks was undertaking policy, bro. He does have a a voice that is as sweet as molasses. Whether that is worked out for his career but even Lloyd Banks again he that's the guy in charge of finance I trust him mm. his name is Banks his name is Banks he's like you ready for the banks to open again I'm like yes Lloyd there's already a Lloyd Bank there's a Lloyd Bank already it writes itself it's a, we already it's have a, a strong Bank. case man it's a strong it's case it's a very strong case we already have a Lloyd Bank and then you know you got Young Buck with a spinning chain and stuff and I mean, he never has a T-shirt, so that... And also, 50 Cent's backstory is very compelling. Like, he, he you know, it was, it, I don't know if you like the film that they made about him or not, but, like, it's a classic American story, right? I, I got knocked down, I got back up, I won, you know? Got rich, and I was prepared to die trying, and I think that is definitely the American dream. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to run with a slogan to uh, impregnate the nation with capitalism, bro, get rich... Or die trying? Is there anything better? I don't think there is. It's not better. And people are like, "Aren't you worried about assassinations?" I've been shot nine times. No. <laughs> who saved me? Jesus. Where did you? You know why? Who the real G is? God. Two terms. <laughs> Two terms. It's a easy peasy. It's a compelling case. It's, I don't know. It's tough to beat that. I mean, you said Chuck D, right, Dane? Chuck D was one of my yeah my choices. I, I think I'm going to go a bit crazier because. I think, you know, it's a crazy era we're living in, right? And and I think we need, like, a proper wild, like, won't give a fuck person. Uh, I'd probably pick DMX, if I'm honest with you. Cause, Ooh, <laughs> cause that's a good I think, choice. I think that's a good choice. he is the most, like, energetic, like, I don't know if I'd want to fuck with DMX if he was running my country. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
That is a powerful presence. Who is not going to watch a political debate between <laughs> the, you know, either the Republican nominee or the Democratic primary against DMX when they're like, I found that our current inflation, what is, I can hold it. Come on. Just interrupting all the time. I, I love it. I, I'd, I'd be here for that. That's the only gangster rapper I've ever heard sing a Christmas carol and was still intimidating. Wow. DMX could definitely do it. He could, I, I mean, if you're drawing comparisons, I mean, bro, he could outdo Trump on a public scale, bro. I think his, so. His views, his views on um, homosexuality probably would definitely win in the Bible Belt. The Bible yeah. Belt would be on his side simply for yeah. the lyrics. How are you going to explain fucking a man, even if we squash the beef, I ain't touching your hand. Incredible homophobic lyrics that would win the Bible Belt, I'm sure. Yeah, man, homophobic lyrics, which we don't, we're not necessarily on board with. However, we are aware in politics, you fight day. Yeah. Uh, so while I, I would definitely... Go. I do not endorse the uh, the uh, Democratic uh, nominee DMX's message, but I support the right he has to say it. That being said, he does cry a lot, and he does say prayers on his albums, which I guess it means the Bible Belt is still definitely locked. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So he'd, he'd be fine with I that. I think just the phrase "X gonna give it," "X gonna give it to you," is gonna like literally just lock down. <laughs> like you yeah, can just go around cool. on the rallies, right? And it's what do you want? You know, it's easy. Yeah, exactly. Can, That's going um, viral for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all gonna make me lose my mind with this budget. Tweeting. Uh, <laughs> DMX, DMX tweets, I imagine, would be amazing. Also, he's big on motorbikes and stuff, which are a lot more eco-friendly than cars. Yeah. And him and the Rough Riders detail could just be driving around the country on a campaign and then just get other bikers to go with them. And then maybe he unites all the bike gangs. Like, why are we not in charge of people's campaigns is the real question which you should have asked us. Because <laughs> we are, we're so good at this. I didn't realise that 10 minutes in, bro. They're missing out. Yeah, yeah we're so good. Oh, all right. So I, I feel like it was, wouldn't be the question it's supposed to be if I didn't put forward Tupac Amaru Shakur as a presidential or world leader candidate. Mm. Let me explain. Obviously, we all know Tupac's alias is Machiavelli before, because of, you know, some of the philosophies he applied uh, while, he was, while he was involved in the East Coast, West Coast beef. Always good to get, like, the posh people on side, just referencing yeah. Machiavelli. So he's in there. Uh, you know, comes from a long bloodline of activists in the same yes. way that Donald Trump is descended from members of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> Tupac Shakur is descended from members of the Black Panthers. So, you know, yeah. he knows how activism works. And also the, the Black Panthers actually introduced uh, breakfast in schools in the States. Hmm. So they were the, they were the actual organization that introduced that for kids across the States. Wow. Um, so I think a lot more, uh, again, quasi-socialist incentives to help people would come from Tupac. Because um, I think the, the Black Panthers were kind of, they, they, they took in a lot of uh, Maoist um, philosophy and hmm. ideology. So I think that would be useful in a way, hmm. especially when trying to reconnect trade ties with like China and stuff. I think Tupac would be good for that. I feel like Tupac has no problem with beefing. I think if any, I feel like we all know Hit Him Up was one of the best diss tracks that was ever made. Hmm. I would so, say the best. But they, yeah, I'll give you the best. So anybody who says anything negative about Tupac, you know it's going to be some great music as well as a great campaign. Hmm. I, you know what, Dan? I think as an individual, he is the most interesting, has the most strings to his bow, like you yeah. said, come from a very rich heritage of uh, activists and activism. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like you said as well, if if it comes down to it and he needs to ride, he's going to ride. Yeah, he de- right. oh, he'll definitely ride, exactly. And, and I think really importantly as well, although synonymous with gangster rap, is also a very well-versed, well-trained actor, was a huge fan of the arts in general. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can I just say, before we wrap up this question, I want to keep it real quick and succinct, right? Yeah. The other person I would consider for a world leader would be Master P because he's mm. done everything else. Yeah, he's all, that's, all that's left. It's all that's left. Yeah. And he's got a tank. So he's halfway there. Has he got a tank? He's got a no limit tank. Remember the no limit tank? Yes. Yeah. See, he's got a no limit tank. <laughs> so I'm sorry. If you live in America and you're in a country which is only like, I don't know, 20, 10% or 5% of the world's population but concerns a third of its resources... No limit is a great campaign slogan. Hundred mm. percent. I mean, I feel I feel like a piece of shit because I feel there's genuinely some MCs who could actually uh, <laughs> run for political office. Your Akalas, your Lokis, mm. these men are actually in it. But uh, I've, I've kind of been taken away with all your suggestions, lads. Unfortunately, their real world skills don't compare to the examples that you've put forth. I'm afraid. Exactly. So, and, but, you know, Akala, Loki, you know, dudes like that, Poison Pen and stuff. You know, Paris. They can, you know, they can still work on the campaign, be part of the cabinet. Exactly. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's, that's, very, that's very political and diplomatic of you there, Dave. Maybe we consider you one day for uh, for office one as day. well. Maybe one day. But that's a great question, guys. I love that question. But yeah, send us the suggestions, uh, listeners as well. If you anyone you want to suggest, uh, let us know. Yeah, it's a. It, I mean, you could. There's still some other suggestions we could come up with, but uh, we we better move on because um, I've got a question for you, Guz uh, and Dane. But, cool. but but it's partly inspired by Guz because I was I was reading your uh, your biog, Guz. Uh, you know what <laughs> people say about you. You you've got how many kids have you made? You've made four kids, haven't you? Yeah, yeah there's four of them. There's four of them. So I've got to ask, because you'd be a person that knows, what advice do you have for people uh, to, when they're going to be a parent? What advice is there? Because it's a tough job, right? Like, there's no doubt in it. Like, everyone does things right and wrong. But I want to hear Guz Khan's parenting tips, if there are any. Well, listen, bro, can I, can I, can I first say, um, this shit does change your life. When I say this shit, I'm not referring to the child specifically as a shit. I'm saying the situation changes your life forever. But 
in the most fun ways. Okay, so I think before I uh, preface this advice with any uh, fun, I, I need to explain to you that I'm I'm man them, innit? I am man them. How are you aware of what that is, Dane? Can you can you just explain it for our what? listeners? Explain it because we've got some international listeners, so. Uh, someone who would record, refer to as Mandem is uh, a gentleman typically of colour who is of uh, the disposition of having an affinity with uh, hip-hop and contemporary culture and is also characteristically known for being early adopters of popular and urban culture as well as being one of the influence of said culture as well. Mandem. Is that how I believe that? Yeah, makes perfect sense. So when when the Mandem become, become fathers, it is a bit of a shake-up. The routines yeah. have to change a little bit. There's not so much hanging on the block all times, 17 hours a day. That has to come down incrementally, okay? So you have to dedicate, like, dedicate more time at home to your new child and your wife who's gone through this unbelievable, incredible experience. But one of the benefits of being man them and having children is we don't deep it too much. Mm. Yeah? Don't overthink it, Howard. Mm. You can read books. You can get obsessed with people who are like, have you saved for their further education? Are they going to be financially well off at uh, age three, nine, 12? Bro, who gives a fuck, son? Okay, we were raised broke as shit, single parent family, but we were raised with two things. One is good energies, and two is the knowledge that if you fuck around too much, that someone's going to beat your ass. Mm-hmm. These are two very important pieces of parenting advice. Dane, I'm sure you went through the same thing. I did. Oh, well, I didn't. Actually, my dad was uh, home the whole time, which was basically two pairs of hands to administer that same discipline. <laughs> <laughs> discipline twice. I, I definitely noticed a significant change in Mandem when they have kids. And uh, I know it is no way not to compare it to uh, what, you know, the experience of a woman uh, when she has a child. Because uh, obviously, you know, it's all touch and go and bringing life into the world. Is life threatening itself? And also, even after you have the baby, women can be subject to like well, like postpartum depression. But yes, yes. a lot of my friends have, I have, they have like a post paternity crisis where they have kids, and then it's like, oh, let's stay out till four o'clock in the morning. Uh, let's just stay out. What do you want to do next? I want to go home. Oh no, but let's go for drinks. Get a spliff. It's like, listen, just go home to your family. I know you're not of much use to them right now, <laughs> but just get used to it. I feel like, I think that was probably one of the hardest things. My lot of my friends says that obviously when a child is first born, essentially they sleep and they eat, and you're not much use in that respect unless you're changing nappies or you know helping or just changing the kid or looking after the kid while uh, the missus either pumping or you know resting because she's working like a motherfucker, um, which is an ironic turn of phrase in this instance. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, a lot of my friends are always trying to find something to do to fill the time because uh, they can't pester their wife uh, as much as they used to. And I guess for most men, it's realising that uh, the woman that loves you, you are no longer the most important man in her life. And, uh, yeah, some people take that very hard. So No, but they're a bit moist who take that like that. I think yeah. the, thing that's, the thing that strengthened my love for my life partner, my wife, is, bro, when someone has gone through the trouble of taking your busted nut and mm-hmm. producing a human being in their womb and creating this amazing life, bro, you're in debt to that person forever. And that okay. child should be the focus of their love, their attention, their care. Like, that makes me proud. I know my wife loves all four of them motherfuckers a billion times more than she loves me, and that makes me very happy. That's, that's a good vibe. 
Yeah, because you get to get away with stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to man them in. All right, guys. I've got 14 and a half hours. But we're going to man them so hard while I'm on this block. <laughs> until the next feeding. But until that feeding, bruv, man's out here. You get me? Man's out here. <laughs> But people, people, nobody knows how to do it, right? That's the that's the challenge. Everyone watches other people do their parenting in whichever way they do, and they try and pick up bits. But nobody really knows what they're doing, right? I, I don't know shit, and, and I think the, I think I think the, the big thing is like the learning process is the most fun part of it. Like, what's the worst thing you can do to a newborn child is drop the kid. But at least four or five of my cousins would drop from significant heights. Two in Pakistan, one I believe was about 16 feet. He hit a, a pile of hay before falling onto the floor. And you know what my auntie and uncle did? What? They uh, tied up the hay? Just this, this, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> just, this motherfucker just got the hay rubbed out of his newborn head and they carried on. Don't worry about it too much, bro. Hmm. Do you think people right. worry do you think people worry too much? Is that is that modern parenting is just over worrying? Yeah, people are over it don't they i think i think even though having a family and i think having a child see it's, it's an amazing thing i think sometimes people act as if it's never been done before like especially if you live in london you deal with a lot of uh the london new mums and uh pram privilege is mad like if you thought thought people with four by fours were bad once you see people when they act with prams in the london bar of hackney for example or near shoreditch it's insanity itself it's uh they, you're, they're rolling over people's feet they're hitting you in the side like you know, a newborn hipster mum, mm. like she's got bodies on her. She's got bodies Terry. on her. Yeah, the terriers. And they should they should put like teardrops on the side of the pram, or like you know wherever they put like tallies, like you know when bomber <laughs> plans. Because they're insane how they behave with them. I, do, I, I mean, I don't I don't have any kids, so I always have these questions myself, and I ask my dad these things. I think one of the best uh, lessons that's allowed me to appreciate my own parents is like God said, is realizing they're not perfect and they are people. And they're going to have shortcomings and they don't have any prior practice other than when you have kids of your own. And um, so I've had a lot more of a newfound appreciation for my parents. Um, and I don't blame them for shit in therapy. So uh, that's cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, my dad always said, like, you know, if you wait to because that's my thing. Oh, I don't make any money. I can't look after a kid. I'm an idiot. And he'd be like, if you wait to afford to have kids that you'll never be able to have them, especially if you care about your kids, you want to raise them well. You're always going to be able to find something, whether it's something extracurricular or something nutritional. A good parent is always trying to find a way to better their child's life anyway. So how much you think you'll have, you want to do more. Um, I'll tell you, someone who gave me really good advice for parenting, especially in comedy, was Catherine Ryan. Because hmm. uh, I used to be a tour support. So seeing her, you know, work on tour and then also, you know, take care of her daughter as well was like amazing and inspiring as well. And um, yeah, there's even small things where she was like, I don't know if a lot of women know, like one of the great ways of losing baby weight is for you handling your child when you're picking them up and carrying them all over, all over the place. It's like that child's weight is almost like naturally designed to help you lose your weight because you're exercising by having to lug the kid everywhere. Hmm. So it's always good exercise. Um, and yeah, and just she just said that, you know, it's a nice thing to give you focus. It's always, obviously, uh, it's always nice to have something bigger than yourself to work towards and kids really help with that. And, you know, it's always that nice feeling where, you know, instead of you thinking about yourself all the time, so you walk, just walking past shops and being like, oh, my daughter would love that or my son would love having that or I'd love to come back here with my kid. So hmm. it's, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's a complete game changer, right? That's the thing. It just yeah, changes yeah. every element of your life. Yeah. But, but you know, like, like, like Dane was saying, like in, in a good way. And I think, I think there was one piece of advice that my old dear gave me. It was, it was when my, uh, my daughter was born. 
nine years ago and everyone was panicking and my missus was about to go into labor and there was stress. Where are the car keys? Are you okay, darling? My sisters were fussing, the neighbors were fussing and my mom just like cold as ice, like a thug in the corner. She sat there and she goes, uh, you know when I had Mania, that's my elder sister. She goes, I caught the bus in labor to Coventry Warwickshire Hospital. I gave birth and then a day and a half later, I bought her back home on the bus, swung by Quicksave, did the shopping, and then she had her first feed. And I was like, "That's what the fuck can I say? What the fuck can yeah, I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say anything. You, yeah, but well, there's, there's Uber now? <laughs> yeah, you, you can't say anything to that, man. My, uh, yeah. Even, oh. when I was born, even when I was born, like you said, it's uh, in terms of you know, a great debt to like, you know, women bringing us into the world and, and having a loved one. My, when I was born, my mom had lots of severe difficulty. I was on an uh, incubator for three days after I was born. Hmm. And I think oh. she lost a good three pints of blood. So, uh, wow. yeah. You can see why I'm not in that much of a rush to <laughs> have kids. Because it is hectic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely seeing... Yeah, you know, to be honest, three men speaking about, you know, fatherhood, trust me, you're getting an easier getting an easier part of the deal oh yeah that's for sure so, I mean, it definitely looks tough that that's a if you told me there was something that was going to grow inside me a life form was going to grow inside me and then i was going and to- you couldn't drink or have sushi i'd be like nah man that's long yeah i'd rather be a catholic priest and then and then you <laughs> got to push point. it out of your body <laughs> yeah and then you got to push out your body by, by by way of maybe one of the favorite parts of your body hmm. while the person responsible for this is watching yeah Cheering you now, on. Just deep that. That's just a mad thing. A yeah. human being comes out of a pump like women yeah. are strong beings in the cosmos. That is mad. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, if anything other than Weeby comes out of my penis, uh, I'm very scared. So <laughs> to see another creature coming out of your genitals, <laughs> if you can do that and still return to a normal life, we at Dame Baptist Questions Everything salute you. And I mean, could, could you cope with it? I, I couldn't cope with it, Guz. Could you cope with that if you had to grow it in your body? Like, I, I get a toenail in the wrong way. It upsets me, you know what I mean? Like, Bro, I still, I still can't... Like, you're saying, could I get... I can't comprehend, yeah, that a motherfucker grows in a motherfucker. Hmm. That's just deep, that. That's mad, bro. You know like, when you have... When you have Gastric enteritis, yeah? Mm, That's yeah. a problem, bro. You'd be like, oh, this shit's uncomfortable. It's hurting me. I need to take a shit and get this out. I struggle with that, okay? It takes me 48 hours to two months to recover from that. You've got women growing human beings inside themselves. Yeah. I don't know what to say. That's right. And then you can even have gastric problems on top of that. With the baby within you, and then once it's out, you can be depressed about it, like, and, and, and you're, because your hormone—it's—it is unbelievable. And the idea that somehow society was built in a way where obviously uh, men were in charge does seem a bit outrageous, given that is a role that women are performing every day. But. That being said, though, maybe <laughs> there's some elements of that that probably makes sense because I'll be—I've left my car on three occasions and left the keys in the ignition. Should I be? Hmm. In a position where I can grow life. Yeah. I tried to grow watercress once and that didn't even work. Why were you growing watercress? It was for a Cub Scout thing and I was trying to get a badge. I I uh, I, I, I scraped that badge. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if you I don't know if you gentlemen know this, but apparently all plants need sunlight. So <laughs> the name was watercress, Guz, not sunflower. Okay. Now, press anyway. Anyway, you can't just be can't just be an assumption that you look because then man, they look like it grows in the dark. Anyway, I agree with you. It looks like a shit thing. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, cress is. I don't know, Chris, other than for garnish, what use is it? No one's ever eaten an egg and Chris sandwich and been like, damn, that Chris was good. <laughs> I and I don't care. I've said it. I I've said it. You heard. Yeah. Anyone Controversial. We'll see if the listeners yeah. enjoy that. Unpopular opinion. Yeah. Egg and Chris sandwiches. Chris plays a little part, a very little part of that. Unpopular yeah. opinion. But we say the things that need to be said in this podcast. It's not the star attraction, is it? Let's be honest. It really isn't. It's kind of like, you know, when you... Uh, I suppose it's the same as when people do something like get a shandy. We're not here for the lemonade. Mm. We're not here for the lemonade. Yeah, Chris, we can officially say Chris is a dickhead, bro. Yeah, all right. No, Chris is a dickhead. Um, no, Chris is a dickhead. It's a, yeah, you're right, guys. It's a dickhead. And you know what? Who's not too live either? Kale, where did you come from, bro? What, some 25 uh, centuries? Leave Kale out of it. You're cooking it wrong. Dane, if you if you're slagging off kale, why why are you cooking it? That's what I want to know. Why are you even cooking it, Howard? It's a green, a legume, if you will. Does it even need to be cooked? Isn't that how you lose the nutrients? I don't get it with these people. They're always coming and going. Sometimes you cook the vegetables. Sometimes you leave them. Am I a vegan? Am I on a raw fruit and veg diet? Listen, kale ain't got shit on cabbage. <laughs> Tell him again, Dave. Tell him again. It ain't got shit on cabbage. It ain't got shit on spinach. And you know something? It doesn't hold a motherfucking candle to lettuce or rocket. I said it. Mm. Two unpopular opinions in the same question. Now it's controversial because Gaz is in the house. We're happy you're here. <laughs> well, so thanks for answering my question about parenting, uh, Dane. That was uh, that, 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 there was some interesting points there. I, I, I don't know who you know. Nobody has the answers, do they? Really, to because to... there's no one way to uh, to uh, I guess raise or guard a human being. Mm. You know. You know, that's the important thing to remember as well, is that uh, a child, you are a guardian and a child is not your possession, isn't it? So I guess I always, I always, my parents was all, were always saying, you know, we're always just trying to give you everything we didn't have. And uh, I feel like that's always the best approach is that your child is like a blank canvas. I don't have no kids, I don't know. So I can be romanticizing the whole thing. I've never had to see someone shit on my chest, in it? Uh, <laughs> nah, that, that is dirty. You know, you know what, bro? I, I, I say this, I say this. Howard, if at the end of every single day of you having a child, they are still alive and they had some good fun, you smashed it, bro. What fucking, what more do you want than that? That's it. That's oh it. You said, you know, the more time your child spends outside of therapy, you're doing a good job. Wise That's words. it, man. Wise words. You got it. Well, thank you, guys. Um, I'll, I'll take it on board. Um, You've got this, Howard. Yeah. You've got this. Uh, come on. All right, just... Sleep now while you can. So, <laughs> Dane, it's, um, it's over to you for your question to wrap up the show. It is indeed. So, guys, you correctly uh, did point out that you are Mandem, and anyone who uh, is smart enough to have checked out uh, Guz's uh, creations and offerings and seen Man Like Mobin uh, should be aware it's a very, very funny show with some amazing uh, cast members, which is uh, kind of semi-autobiographic, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff in Mobin uh, is based on true stories. Some stuff is embellished, but um, all works very well for comedic effect. And if you haven't seen it, I very much urge you to do so. Um, but the question I had was, being that your man dem, um, I'm sure that a lot of the time you reflect on what your old life was like and how far you've come since. 
And uh, I wanted to ask you um, if you can recall when you had a different life, what may have been your lowest point, what you would have said to that, uh, to Gaz then? Wow. When the block, uh, hot, when the, when the block was hot and the roadside was mad <laughs> and you were deep, deep in the trench on the front line, what would you have told Gaz on the front line? You know, you know, literally, the, and the mad thing is, like, there's a this the spotting car where we where we grew up doing the madness was was called Frontline. Like, you know, there's something very important. We time has gone so quickly. We're talking 15, 16, 17 years ago now, mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't a culture in those days of even comprehending what mental health was. Mm. The fuck is that, bro? Mm. You're ma- what do you mean, mental health, brother? My yeah, man, smoke too much weed, bro. Man must be smoking too much budge, bro. Mental, he, man. Yeah. Skunk, loud skunk. Yeah. People go, nah, don't, don't smoke skunk. If you're getting crazy, yeah, it's because you're having skunk. <laughs> you need to just have commerce. That's what you're getting wrong. <laughs> it was a, but you know what? There was a, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a pivotal point, yeah? Uh, and I never really, never really thought myself as, as struggling with mental health because we didn't term it at the time. But mm. obviously things were getting out of hand. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned in the podcast already, from a single parent family. So it was just me and my old dear at home. Things were getting hot. The, the levels of activity that I was getting involved in, uh, you know, moving through 16, 17, 18, becoming a young man that, that mm. four-year period, uh, were getting hotter without dry snitching on myself. Uh, and I remember there being a period where I couldn't sleep. And I'm a heavy sleeper. My... Mm. I love sleep. If I could go sleep right now, I'd go sleep right now. <laughs> sleep is my thing. You hear this, Howard? You hear this? <laughs> That's how important it is. <laughs> yeah, Howard, you get, get it in now, baby boy. Uh, <laughs> but I remember there being a specific period and I, and I wasn't able to relate uh, stress and what, what struggling with your mental health was uh, with just a simple activity like being able to go to sleep. And I remember, bro, like there was this thing where we're from where you have to be active mentally and physically all the time. You can't catch, someone can't catch you slipping. Someone can't catch you in a position where you're showing weakness. Um, and bro, it was like a, maybe a, a three-week period where I could not get to sleep. Again, didn't tie it in with the fact that it was stress from the things that were going in my life and the things yeah. that I was worrying about. Um, and bro, there was no one there to help. There was no one there to help. You can't turn to your brothers and be like, "Yo, brother, have you ever, you ever been so stressed uh, that you that, that you can't sleep for three weeks in a row?" Because the answer would have been, "Can you stop being a pussy, blood?" Yeah, basically. Stop <laughs> being a little pussy, old. Bro, what you mean, yeah? stress, Bev? <laughs> stressed, you know. Stress, yeah, stress. That was this, this thing here is called stress, mate. <laughs> For my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it'll show you stress. <laughs> I, I, just, I wish if I could give my old self some advice, it would have been to really take time to understand what I was going through. Because unfortunately, what we saw a decade on and that I'm seeing right now mm. is that the man them are cracking now. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that eventually, eventually it does catch up with you. And unless you take time to fix your, your mental health, your spirituality, your well-being... Um, it's going to catch up to you eventually. And it's, and it's a mad thing to see, like literally uh, before this pandemic um, kicked off here, whilst I was over in the States, 
uh, a very good brethren of mine was sentenced to quite a hefty sentence. And, you know, we're boys and we can discuss this kind of stuff, but it's not, you know, at 34, he's 36 now, at 36, mm. he still can't really open up to me, I don't think, and be like, yo, Goose, 13, 14 years is pressure, bro. I have two kids. Uh, while I'm away, who really is going to be checking in? Who really is going to be making sure things tick over the way they should? Because uh, ultimately, as a father, no one's going to look after your kids the way you're going to look after them, right? Mm. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I, I just wish I could go back in time, advise myself to to take note of, of what that was uh, and the people around me. Because even though some of us, you know, we, we break away, I have to make choices and move away. Some people took that personally. You know, I have to carry that weight for the rest of my life. But still, to, to to be there for each other in that in that environment of this this term toxic masculinity is used a lot. But I think some of us were just the products of our environment. You know, when you start absolutely, I really I really feel like this is um, when people talk about like mental health and issues like toxic masculinity. I think they need to take into account environment. And also, if we're doing like mental health, I always like you know think when people see certain phenomenon, they need to take into account like rationalization. You know. Nobody wants to be outwardly acknowledging that they come from slums or they come from hard times or their life ain't really shit. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't mean you necessarily enjoy your environment, but sometimes just for you to manage it and for you to make sense of it, you have to kind of, you know, give yourself a certain level of, of assertiveness. Like this, this environment is fucked, but I'm not scared. I'm going to survive and I'm going to do what I need to survive in that environment. And like, I, I feel like, like I say, we would say we refer to it as toxic masculinity, but I think for a lot of us in certain situations, that shit is primal. It's not like... Well, what is masculinity? masculinity? What is masculinity? You know, I, I would argue that one of its one of its defining characteristics is to not show weakness. You, you, Absolutely. I mean, you, well, well, yeah, because, yeah, saying that, because when, when I grew up, for example, and I, it's even now, like, like I said, it's like going back and seeing how that stuff affects you. When I grew up, like in what would be called a toxic masculine environment, like it's had an effect on me whereby like people say, why don't you smile so much? Or you not so you smile in relationships where people are like, don't, why don't you hold my hand in public? And it's just, and people understand it's like, it's not just because, <laughs> you can't, but I lie. I can't look, you can't, you cannot afford to look soft. I've been in play. I, like when I grew up, like I said, 15, 16, because of what I guess would be toxic masculine. If you see a guy that you perceive to be your physical inferior with a girl you like, then you make him look like a pussy or in front of that girl. Because you see that as, you know, as a display of alpha dominance to reclaim your masculinity. It's a horrible way of thinking, but when people, you know, feel they have no other way to uh, assert their self-worth or their masculinity, then you get these toxic displays and stuff. So it's like, I can never look like I'm too loved up because I don't want to be like, because I'm so, you don't look like you're a target. If you look like you have stuff to lose, then that can make you a target as well. So anything that even shows any level or even the smallest modicum of vulnerability, we used to kind of avoid it. You know, Bro, I wanna I wanna back you on that and I and I wanna I wanna completely support you. the reason I was laughing is because it's absolutely the truth that we use we use this frame of reference like toxic masculinity for why people behave like that. Bro, my my wife, who I've known since I was uh, 17 years old, the mother of these four children of mine, bro, if I tried to hold her hand in public, yeah, she yeah. would say, Pussy, what are you doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing right now? Why are you trying to... I get that. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand. If I hold my girlfriend's hand now, she'd just be like, what have you done? 
<laughs> it's crazy. And I think I think a conversation that we often have because it's like, yeah, it's awful, it's horrible to grow in the, with that kind of mentality. Okay, yeah, I agree with you to a certain extent. But if you were to ask the man who are still in this madness and the young women as well, yeah, um, their simple response would be, well, we had to survive. Absolutely. So how do you want me to survive? And I think that's so underplayed and under-referenced when talking about these kind of mentalities and environments because it all then plays back into the system that we were raised in. We yeah. never had a fair start in life. We were never given the, the equal footing and platform with our peers, whether that's through race or social class. And so to cope with these issues, it was fundamental, bro, that if me and you, Dana, had grown up and there was something that was going down, I would have to push you in my shoulder and say, bro, come on, stop being a pussy. Let's get on with it. That would have kept yeah. us alive. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, that's, it's the uh, closest that we have, yeah, to uh, stopping ourselves from spiraling. Is that something? It's, it's almost like, you know, if someone's ODing and stuff, you just have to give them an adrenaline shot straight into their hearts to spend that, just to survive, you know, because like I said, if you're in a very potentially hostile environment, especially as an adolescent, you're dealing with that transition as well as the environment you're in. Also, you're dealing with the fact that for, uh, you know, people like ourselves, we are also dealing with the fact that we are not able to rely on existing institutions that normally protect us. Like none of us can think, oh, I can go to the police if I feel scared. I can go to a psychiatrist if I have a problem with issues, mental health issues, because you know, we've been taught but through historical incidences not to trust these institutions anyway. So it's a lot of times it's very hard to be able to confide in people and, and, and you having issues and uh well, it's desperation, isn't it? That's that's part of what you're talking about, right? Is that 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 when you are desperate for you know, for safety or security, which people take for granted, right? That you you will act Master. you you'll lash out. I had an ex, yeah. I remember she used to say to me, Oh, when I was I used to I was travelling, I was travelling. When I was in Australia, I remember calling my mum and mum was talking to me and I'm like, Mum, I can't talk to you, I'm too stoned right now. And the mum was like, Oh my god, that's naughty. And I was thinking, see, I couldn't do that with my parents. You could never do nah, that. Nah, 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 nah. If you're a black or brown person, and it's not necessarily because your parents may be adverse to like, you know, using something like smoking weed. It's not that big of a deal. But for us, it is because I, they know I'm much more likely to be like profiled racially or criminally profiled. So it's all well and good me saying to my parents, I smoke a bit of weed, but they know if I get caught with weed, it's not going to be a situation where I'm going to get a caution or a telling off. Like it could, it could bode, you know, to pose potentially lethal, how with lethal, uh, I guess, results. So yeah, we it's, it's all very different. So the other reason I asked the question as well, guys, is that I'm aware you do a lot of uh, youth work and, you know, in terms of like community outreach. And is that part of the motivation for it? Is that you want to be the voice you maybe never had uh, when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, bro, for me, the the, the, the biggest scale issue is like maybe, you know, atoning for the mistakes that I made. And look, I, I'm still... I'm still in Cov. I'm still in the areas that I grew up in and around. My sisters are still in the bits. My 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 wife's family is still in the ends. Of, and I think for me, what there's there's a fine line. It's a great story when uh, one of us does better from uh, a struggling background. But you know, a show like Man Like Moby, for example, like the priority was always a frame of reference for young people to see that you know what, the fuckery is, is not worth it. And I understand how we get caught up in it because socioeconomically, we have to find a way to feed our people. It's kind of a, it's a, double, it's a double-edged sword, bro. Like, Absolutely, yeah, if, yeah. Sure. If, if, me and you were to, if me and you were to go and speak to a group of 14-year-olds 
um, and ask them about why they're carrying knives, why some of them are carrying firearms, uh, and, and why they are committing acts of criminality. Unfortunately, bro, it's the same story from yeah. back in the day, from yeah. when I first got here, bro, it's because yeah. there's a lack of opportunities, poor education. You know, there, 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 there are so many factors, so many factors around it. What, what I will say is, though, like on, on, on a level, bro, there, there's a code of honor that has gone that has gone missing out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this this honor amongst thieves and loyalty, bro, all these old connotations of there being boundaries and respect, they're gone now, bro. I get sent I get sent video images, CCTV images of people on a madness that that if we'd have attempted to do that when we were there 15, 20 years ago. Somebody above us, older in the chain, would have been like, "That is completely unacceptable." It feels like that's eroded a little bit. So our youth, our young people, are in uh, are in a very dangerous position at the moment. Which is why I think not not just what I do, but for yourself, for all of us who have the smallest of platforms, which which I regard my platform as as a tiny one in, in a major. If we can let them know that it's not worth it, that's the most important thing, you know. Absolutely. I think that was one of the great things I liked about Man Like Mo being very funny. And obviously the cast were amazing, but despite it being very, very funny and in some places very surreal, definitely did not pull punches and show in, you know, the uh, cause and effect of, uh, of a certain lifestyle. And I think, I think you did that really well. I feel like um, so far as like you're saying about using a platform and, and, you know, speaking to younger kids, I think, yeah, one of the problems and what makes that a bit more difficult nowadays is that, while social media and stuff like that does, does give us a platform, the other problem is is that it, it does leave it open to sensationalise certain things. And I think, you know, we are, one of the reasons why we've lost was like, I guess, honour among thieves and a certain level of etiquette, even in that environment, is because of the fact that a lot of the stuff now is very sensationalised. Um, there are There's a lot of people that are now privy to this... Um, glamorized crime aesthetic that weren't so much before so now people that are involved in it with kids it's like it's one thing when if you get attacked now but if you get attacked on a camera phone and people in bogner regions can see it now you've got to go and do a madness to prove that you can't be messed with and you know there's a real collective vanity that we all have nowadays because of things like social media and now kids they're subject to a lot more social pressures in some respects than we were i think um because yeah, because everyone can know if something bad happens to you, like everyone can know about it. Like you're more open to like being pushed, like through cyberbullying and the like and stuff as well. And um, yeah, you know, economically, you know, youth clubs and stuff are closing. And I think the reason, another reason I asked you the question about talking to your younger self is because it's a weird thing now where we've commodified youth so much. Anything you say to kids now that there's, ah, but you're old though, bro. You're old. You're old. You're old, and it's like. Yeah, it's fine. I'm old, but at the same time, I'm like, if the only thing going for you is your youth, then I'm feel kind of bad for you because that's the one thing you're losing every day. But it's just like a really big, really big thing where people are like, point, bro, that, bro, that is that is such a that is such a powerful point. I think societally, though, bro, if we look at what the status quo is. Uh, there's certain things you mentioned it earlier about uh, would, would, would a brown or, or black kid tell their parents even at our age bro that yeah yeah we're out here but we wouldn't because there is a parental and familial respect and I think in terms of our society in which we live that's often encouraged to be shit on bro like what yeah. you're talking about man fucking forget what your parents have to say there's forget. a real division yeah absolutely bro it's, it's a complete breakdown in and, and like you also said bro 
they're going to get things wrong. They're human beings, but there is a definite wisdom in listening to people. It doesn't have to be someone who's been on road, bro. It could have been a guy that's been sweeping the streets for 50 years, but yeah. listening to advice from his frame of reference is going to be way more than me and you could ever think of ourselves. Personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, but that's what's happened is that we've exchanged wisdom for information. So yes. now you have information at your fingertips, but, you don't have wisdom and you don't have knowledge, which means you might know stuff, but how to apply experience in order to deal with certain situations is not what we're doing. So now we just, we've just created this landscape whereby, you know, people age out and people are like, you're too old to be on road. You're too old to be on road. Raise your kids. It's like, you know, you, you need to understand that. Like I grew up with so many people that won't even live to be this age, mm. won't live yes. to be this age. Well, and if they do see their, their 30th or 40th birthday, it will be inside of a cell away from their family. And I think a lot of kids see like going to prison as a rite of passage when really it's like, it might seem cool when you're going youth offenders and you're going felt them now. Once you get a real stretch, your friends might be checking for you. Once you're what six years into a sentence and people start moving on with their own lives and raising their own families, the visits become less frequent. The letters become less frequent. People ain't really sending you things. You know, the, the girlfriend of yours starts, she starts to deal with the reality that you ain't coming out anyway. So she's got to move on because her biological clock is ticking and it's, um, yeah, man, I just think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of aspects of human connection now and interaction and discourse that we are kind of supplementing with social media and social networking and people putting out content and, you know, you know, we've given birth to the rise of, when the advent of influencers and stuff. But it's like how many people are, you know, I look, see people online like, you know, like um, Ferran Alex and stuff like that doing like a, a knife amnesty, but how many people actually are using this influence for something positive? Bro, you know what, bro? I did, you know, I, I'm with you and I personally regard you as, as, as one of the, the, the realest out there in terms of how you are, you are utilizing your skill as a, a stand-up, a performer, a comedian, but there, there are levels to what you do. And I think there definitely is a responsibility that we should never feel, and it's have to be the publicly, but one-to-one, -one, if you ever catch me slipping and you find me catering for the belittlement of our people, when I say our people, if you catch me creating things that belittle and encourage a stupidity in mm. our people, you should be able to say to me, yo, good, you better cut that out, bro. You're better than that. And I think that's, that's a responsibility that we have amongst fellow comedians. There's a lot of comedians that I love as people, but I see the stuff that they're creating and I'm like, Yo, bro, you are really dumbing down what our people should be comprehending and what they should be aiming for, you know? And I understand that entertainment yeah. is entertainment. It's slightly different. But I think there's a responsibility um, amongst all of us uh, to, yeah, to, to ensure as, that... As, as members of society, we're a, we're a social species, you know, as human beings and as members of society, like... Because that's always a conversation about role models and stuff that comes up when we have platforms like we do about being a role model. And... You know, I think there's an extent to which you take a responsibility for how people, how much you influence people. Um, but then at the same time, yeah, I do think there's a social responsibility that if you are, you know, as a as a comedian, then I guess my part is I, I kind of chronicle my life experiences and my observations. But, you know, I think, like you said, you have for you to do that effectively. You've got to give the whole picture. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this part of it is fun. And but this is what comes with it. And I think there's a lot of people that need to kind of give that full story. And, and you know, and as you said, I'm exactly the same that, you know, as, as a friend and as a colleague and, you know, as a good human being as well, if you see me doing something that's going to deviate from the person I'm aspiring to be, then 
you should be able to let me know that as well. And I think that's very, and you know, and it's, it refers back to the question because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine as well, where it's like, I've had so many people now speak to me who like now they either like coming out, uh, you know, revealing their sexuality to me or talking about what they were dealing with when we were years ago. And I'm like, well, why do you tell me before? And they're like, oh, because Dane, sometimes you always seem so like, so like rigid with your morals and stuff. I didn't think I could come to you. And my thing is always like, this is, I don't consider myself to be better than anybody or anything like that, but it's like, you know, I try not to do no harm to any human being or no loss to anyone. But yeah, when you talk about moral standards, that like morals are all very subjective. And I'm always focused on like, I always say to people, like, I'm, I'm focused on souls, man. So mm-hmm. in terms of like conversations we have now, in terms of where people are like gender politics and sexual politics and what people define as gender and stuff like that, I don't actually care, guys. I don't care if someone wants to wear a dress and be gender queer, or you want to wear a dress because you are transgender or you're transitioning, or that's just a normal expression and you're just essentially just like, well, I guess we, or sometimes some people just like to cross dress and they won't necessarily be that. And all these new, and all, the, and all these new terms come out. I don't care in it. I don't take a hard stance on it. Some things I'm fine with. And I wouldn't necessarily describe as liberal. I just don't care in it because I just don't think these things have a bearing on entirety for you are as a person. And I was thinking, especially for people that are like myself, yourself, people who are spiritually inclined. Listen, who the, the person, the, the person, the thing, the God that created all this, knows all this stuff, sees all this stuff, has the big picture, is omnipotent and omnipresent. I don't have time to worry about how another person lives their life if they're not causing harm or loss to me or anyone I love. I don't, it's not my problem. Well, it's, bottom it's not, line, right? Bottom line. Yeah, it's not my problem. It's not many hours in the day and stuff. It's like, it's about who you are, not what you are. And we're in a time so much where people are so focused on identity politics and contextualizing their self-worth based on what group they belong to in it. And it's like, this shit is not going to matter when you are old, isn't it? Like when you get to a certain age, who you bring to bed will not matter. Waking up in your bed will mean much more to you. you no, know? standing up will be much, be much, will be much more, will be much more to you than if you can get it up. And I just feel like, I guess I've always had that kind of perspective where I'm just, I just don't care about them things, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's so... You know what, you know what, bro? It's so real what you're saying, but I'm just imagining some of the man them, yeah? Who are going to yeah. be sat there watching this podcast like, you know, Goose and Dave, yeah? Now, them <laughs> man are gay, you know? They're gay, <laughs> <laughs> they're gay, bro. They're gay, bro. I knew they was gay. <laughs> like, like Illuminati. I told you. Look at the tree in the background. <laughs> look at that tree. Look at the tree in the background. Look at the tree. If you look at the tree, if you zoom in, yeah, the tree is like an Illuminati tree. <laughs> Obviously, you can see that. <laughs> Why did the sun come on the left side? That means if the sun is on the left, then they are ready for a transition into the Illuminati. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what they're going to say. But there'll be one of them. Exactly. There's always one who listens, There's right? There's that one guy who's like, well, at least I could tell Dane. <laughs> so, exactly, and that's who I'm. That's who I'm doing it for, man. Exactly. That is who I'm doing it for. Well, it's that's been a, a, it's been an amazing episode. It's been so sick, guys, man. Love, brother. Love, brother. Listen, guys. Can I can I just say as well? Honestly, it's been a flipping pleasure coming on just to have a chat. And although I didn't even realize it, remember I tell you I was having better fun. I have really enjoyed it, man. And mm. from my personal point of view, you know uh, how the first time meeting you, bro. Good mm. luck with this new baby that's incoming. Thank you. Uh, you better get this fucking sterilization situation sorted. Like, <laughs> and then bottles are a long team. That's what I forgot to tell you about that. Bottles. <laughs> let's then encourage your wife to be titty feeding, yeah. which is the best way forward mm. for your for your, for your sanity. Uh, put a thousand pounds down you. that the lovely Tara will be nursing her child or naturally. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm putting yeah. money on that. Oh, if yeah. I know Tara, she's definitely going to be doing. It. <laughs> Not only that. That stuff's going to be like, it's going to be the Lucasade. <laughs> <laughs> so full of nutrients.
nutrients and antibodies already. I know Tara's ready. Lucas ate isotonic of, of breast milks. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's been brilliant having you on the show, guys. We really appreciate it. And 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 Dane, we always want people to yeah. tell us, guys. Please let us know where um, your fans and our fans can find out more about you and uh, where they can check out your stuff and also where they can get some of your clothes because they're obviously quite hype. So. <laughs> New t shirt and that, yeah. Bring my name, please. Listen, I'm there. I'm on the internet if you type in my name. But, bro, forget all that. More importantly, for me, um, still being so new into this entertainment industry, meeting people like you, bro, I've said it to you personally, I say it to you publicly. You're one of the realists. I regard you as one of the very best fans that we have in this country. And, bro, for, for, for you to be out here, for me, makes me want to be a better stand-up, makes me want to create better bars, but also, bro, it's a fucking pleasure that you're out here as my brother in the game. Long may it continue, bro, and it's a fucking honour having you as my broski out here, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Ditto, man. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, nothing but love, bro. And uh, the scene fits you like a glove, and we're all looking forward to seeing how far you take it. And I, I feel like it's been a voice that people have been asking for for so many years. And uh, if you don't know, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you really see how much... Uh, what you do helps and empowers people and uh, how much you've helped people that have already been in the game and it's uh, been genuinely a, a breath of fresh air with a slight delicious hint of roti as well so <laughs> <laughs> we've got we to do this again boys yeah absolutely. absolutely we'll do this again for sure man we'll do this for sure man um, but again thank you so much for coming on um, tell the brood we'll go out and say hi to the missus mm. and um, yeah brother stay in touch lots of love to the family guys take care of yourself oh. Thank you, man. Take care. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much, bro. Peace. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at danebaptweets. Our guest was Guz Khan. You can follow Guz on Twitter and Instagram at official. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Hey, if you like what you've been listening to, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.